0: to its time on CSN International. The Daily Teaching Ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to senior pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike.
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, of your honesty and truthfulness to us. And so, Lord, as we would read these words today, that you would cause us to better communicate your love and truth to people Father, that you would cause us to be more like you in every way. Lord, we understand that many things happen to us in this course of life. And Lord, your word prepares us how that we should handle these situations. And so, God, we ask you now that you would speak to us, encourage us. Bless each person listening today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're currently going through the book of Mark. Uh, We're at chapter 12. We finished where they came to Jesus and asked him, what was the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And we understand that the second was likened to it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself, because we understand that upon these two define all the Ten Commandments, the law of the prophets. In other words, if you love God, you're not going to be using his name in vain. If you love your fellow man, you're not going to be stealing from him or slandering him. Jesus said, upon these two hang all the law of the prophets. And so in some new ground here today, when we look at verse 35, then Jesus answered them and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? This is what the scribes taught, and rightly so. He was, Messiah was to be the son of David. But he was also God, and this is something that they didn't teach. And so now Jesus expounds upon this and he says, for David himself said, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord, Yahweh, speaking of that, said to my Lord or the Savior or Jesus, set up my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. First of all, we know that Jesus did have enemies here on this earth. The Bible tells us that uh, Jesus was to be seated at the right hand of the Father and that all things would come under submission to him. He's saying here in verse 37, Therefore, David himself calls him Lord or Messiah. How then can he only really be just his son, is what he's saying. Well, when the people heard this, the Bible says, they heard him gladly. Now, friends, one of the things you find here is Jesus expounds upon a piece of scripture that only by the Holy Spirit could David have ever known that there would be more to just, you might say, the Messiah, that he was to be Lord as well. And that's why David calls him Lord in Psalms 110, which is really David's uh, summary of the Messiah, you might say, it's Psalms 110. And in that chapter, interestingly enough, David identifies his descendant as Lord. It would be just impossible for him to only be just the son only. But it says the people heard him gladly. And, you know, friends, there's a, a truth to that. It's when you take a biblical truth and you're able to communicate it to a hungry heart. Friends, that's what causes people to hear the word of God gladly. Every one of us have opportunity to share our faith with people all the time. You're going to be around people all week that don't know anything about God. And so how to share then your faith, how to communicate truth to them so that they can grasp it or understand it. Oftentimes they would say, Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he said, because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. They don't understand. So he took a spiritual principle and put it in a common everyday story so they could get it. Oftentimes we'll find this in our own life. We'll, we'll hear something over and over again, and we don't completely understand it until somehow our brain figures it out. I think oftentimes when you're teaching a child, probably in second or third grade, about fractions, Now you remember, maybe you don't remember, how frustrating that particular part of math was to understand. How could one-fourth be smaller than one-half? Because a four is bigger than two. So if you have one-four, one-four is bigger than one-two, but it's not, it's smaller. And you agonize over this, and you get out the pie charts. And you begin to go over this until somehow the kid can understand that one-fourth is less than one-half. Well, when the penny drops, you figure it out, the light comes on, however you want to say it, you go, oh, I get it now. Maybe it might be that way at your work as well. Maybe somebody's trying to explain to you how the particular chemicals have to be mixed before they go into the into the weed sprayer or whatever, and you're having a hard time understanding, it. but once you figure out, you go, oh, I get it. And what becomes so common to you after you get it, still to many other people, are still very hard and difficult to understand. And this is part of, I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate that truth, because it is only by the Holy Spirit that anybody would understand spiritual truths, friends. If you know that Jesus Christ is God, if you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, if you know that He took away your sins and prepared a place for you in heaven, then you have had a supernatural revelation from God. Because the Bible says those things aren't commonly discerned. Those things are not fleshly discerned or discerned from the old sin nature of man. You know why? The old sin nature of man men don't care about God. The old sin nature wants to do what it wants to do, irregardless of the consequences, or irregardless of any thoughts of God at all. That's why, when the Bible says, we must be born again, God borns His Spirit into us, and now, all of a sudden, the whole picture of the way we look at things change. Now, one of the things I believe we as Christians do on this earth is we bring the gospel to people that don't understand it. That's why Jesus said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. Because we bring a message to them that they would understand. Now, understanding, first of all, a person's need always creates an interest in the solution to the dilemma. In other words, put it this way. If you don't know you're sick, you have no need of medicine. If you don't know you're a sinner, you have no need of Jesus. If you don't understand the Ten Commandments, and it shows us how far we've fallen from our relationship with God, you have no need of Jesus to restore you back to the Father. You see, that is that aching in with a person's soul that is not right within them. And, and, and they wrestle with this their entire life. Somehow looking for some type of spiritual insight, whether it's through, you might say, the occult, or through um, astrology, through religions of man and how somehow to solve that issue deep within their soul. They they want to know. So tell me what is truth. Last week we talked about the different concepts people have of God. And you have these concepts that are perpetrated by Hollywood and, and old movies, different things like this, where God's just kind of a glorified man who, um, you know, smiles at everything and all paths lead to God kind of thing. Or you can have the biblical concept of what God says. When you have the biblical concept of what God says, it requires then me, you, to change the way we think about God. Now the reason why this is important, friends, is because as we live in a world apart from God, people begin to, even unfortunately sometimes as Christian redefine God. And we talked about how important it is that we don't only recognize God as our friend. We, we understand that. We teach our children this. That Jesus is your friend in life. Friends, that is no greater truth. But the Bible also says he's Lord as well, as we're reading here this morning. And Lord then would require us to submit our will to this king. And friends, I- I'll tell you, by nature, we don't like to do that. We're pretty stubborn. We talked about that where you can see the stubbornness in your children that hasn't er- hasn't learned the finesse of covering the rebellion. But as we get older in life, we we can become quite creative in the way we cover our sin. Many times when we're pulled over by the police. And the cop says, you were going too fast. I'm amazed at the excuses that I can come up with. (laughs) Well, the car in front of me made me. I was keeping up with traffic. Or my speedometer's off. I have big tires. Or my speedometer doesn't work at all which then you usually get another fix-it ticket on top of that, but that's another issue. And we come up with all these different ideas. And friends, I'm amazed at the creativeness of the old sin nature. And we look at this, and we understand that as I call Jesus my friend, I must also call him my Lord as well. And that means a surrendering of will to him. Now, we as Christians, part of what we do, I believe, as we endeavor to serve God... And the way we serve God is quite simple. We say, well, how do we do that? What's, how do you serve God? What's the formula? You know, know, like, you know, you look up a cookbook, you know, okay, serving God, this is what you do. Actually, it's quite simple. It's that we surrender our will to him each day. And just as God took you at your word, when you accepted him as savior, when you said, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, and my sins come into my life. God took you at your word. When you said, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus said, if any of you, being evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If you take these words that we speak, God takes them seriously. And so we say, Lord, I give you my life. God says, okay, you're my child. So in the morning when we get up or when we go to bed at at night, we say, Lord, tomorrow is your day. You open the doors, close the doors according to your will. I want to be about your business. Well, then God takes you at your word and opens and closes the doors for you for those divine appointments that he has for you. That's why sometimes it's really strange. If you have a boring Christian life, I just want to pray and tell you this. You ask God, say, God, tomorrow's your day. Today's your day. Well, every day is God Day, but I believe just as Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, and part of that daily prayer was, "Thy kingdom, come, thy will be done." So we know that we need to surrender each day to God, that God has these divine appointments for us. You'll be quite surprised. you'll see people that you went to high school with <laughs> you haven't seen for 20, 30 years. And, and, and it's a divine appointment. Hey, what you doing now? Still going out and partying with the boys? No, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. Uh, you got religion? No, I've got a relationship with God. It's a big difference between religion and a relationship. And I see life now through a different perspective than I used to. See, friends, we all want insight. We do. There, there's all these books. and in, in fact, that's the whole purpose, you might say, of reading and learning is a different insight. Insight. That's why we spend great amounts of time doing research on things that change the way we think about it. Oh, I always thought it worked this way. It doesn't work this way at all. It works this way. And you see, when you are equipped with God's word, you have a different perspective of life. And so when you say, well, I want to serve God, God arranges these divine appointments Somebody walks up to you and says, well, what you've been doing for the last 10 years? Haven't seen you for a while. It's just say, so you know, got a new perspective of life. Whoa, how'd you do that? Well, you know, I used to just simply see life through my own eyes. Remember when we were back in school, everybody saw it the same way? Yeah. And you look, think about how many of our friends now are dead. You know, there's got to be a different perspective of life. And I went on a quest to find what that perspective is, of the purpose of living, from another perspective other than my own, and I came to the conclusion. Well, what would you find? Well, I came to the conclusion that the only perspective of life that is important is God's, and what does God have to say about living every day? And you look at your friend. And you say, "Have you ever thought about God's perspective of your life?" Uh, no. Spend most of my life stoned, you know? (laughs) Well, do you know what? Inside every person, friend, there's a longing, there's an emptiness to know God. And there's a longing and an emptiness to understand spiritual things. This is why the people, it says here, and this is a very important uh, verse here that we find in verse 37. And the common people heard him gladly. The reason why is he was explaining to them hidden truths in the word of God that now for the first time in their study of all the scriptures that they had went to school with in those days when they went to school, they would learn the scripture. But they would learn Scripture, but they didn't know what it meant. Do you know how many people today have dead orthodoxy in their life? Do you know what dead orthodoxy is? That means we go to church, we do the dogmas, but we don't understand even why we're doing them. Now, if I can't understand what I'm doing in the dogmas, I'd best not be doing them. You know, people don't understand. They think when the Pope comes out and goes, he's thinking... All of you Italians, get off the lawn. You know, I mean, they have no idea. We know he's doing something up there. We don't know what he's doing. We have understandings, but we may not know what they mean. And see, oftentimes, those things can be lost. This is where the problem comes, where Jesus said, beware of the rudiments and the traditions of men. In other words, people are doing something. I shared this story before, but it was an incredible story. It's a true story. It's about why Grandma, when you cook a pot roast, always cut one end of the pot roast off and the other end of the pot roast off. And so her uh, daughter cut the end of the pot roast off, the other end of the pot roast off, and her daughter granddaughter cut the end of the pot roast off, and when they cooked it, and they never understood why. And they went back and they asked Grandma, "Why did you cut it off on both ends?" She says, "So it would fit in the pot." And so here's second, third generations, cutting the end of the pot roast off, and they didn't know why. Friends, there's a lot of things that happen in our Christian experience that can be the same way. We have taught the rudiments and the traditions of men, but we really don't know what the Bible has to say about those things. See, the Bible says that we all have to make defense for our faith. And part of making defense for your faith that I have found is when I can make a defense for my faith, I know what it says. I can't just say, I don't know, that's what our church does and that's why we do it that way. And there's a lot of people that say those things. You ask them why, they don't know. So, as we look at this, Jesus now takes things that were commonly taught and explains it to them. Friends, do you realize... That when you do this for your children, they're going to have a better understanding of who God is? Do you realize when you do this for your children, that they're going to have a defense for their faith? That it isn't just a religion that they're in, but there's a reason why we don't do or do do certain things. And we know the Bible says, as an example for us in Christ, all things are lawful, but not all things are the best for us. We know we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because I do or don't do certain things, but in in, in the endeavor to please God and to show Him that I'm serious with my relationship, not to earn eternity, but to prove that I am on God's side, I don't do many of the things that I do. Even though I could legally, you might say, still be a Christian and do it, I don't want to do those things And cause somebody to stumble. Now, there's always those people who say, Well, abstain from appearances of evil. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And that's what we need to do. But the problem always comes back to then, You wearing a red shirt might be an offense to somebody else. So where then do we draw the line then on how we respond to one another in this way? I think it's where it begins to stumble, people. Not somebody with a critical eye, you might say saying, well, you know, let's get out the tape measures and start measuring the hemlines on the women's dresses. And by the way, guys, we're going to start measuring the length of your hair, if you still have any, and we're going to find out how long we're going to allow that to be. We want to abstain from the appearances of evil. And all of a sudden, we can become narrow-minded, legalistic, and completely program out love and God right out of a church. Well, that's the problem. So why do we do what we do? And how do we keep the balance? And how do we, again, illuminate the scriptures according to the way God would that would attract people into his kingdom and yet at the same time still preserve the truth of his word where people can understand that God really indeed loves them? See, all things are lawful, but not all things are the best. You say, well, Mike, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible has specific guidelines for all of us. And in particular, even ministers. And the Bible says, if you're going to be a minister, you're not to drink. Now, do I think drinking is necessarily wrong? No. If somebody wants to have a glass of wine with a dinner, I don't have a problem with it. Here's the problem with me, though. I'm going to the checkout line, Albertsons. And I've got enough booze in my cart to float a boat. (laughs) And people go up and say, oh, Mike, I see you're going to have your own rock concert. Um... The problem is, it's not that, it's that because people have different weaknesses in their life, and people have different agendas in their life, they oftentimes think everybody else does too. So if I have a bucket or a a, a shopping cart full of booze, they think, well, Mike's going to go home and drink all of that tonight. Not a pretty sight if you've ever would have seen me like that. The thing is, is that so the Bible just says for ministers don't drink. Now here's the reason why. Because is that bottle number one or bottle number four? And that would distort your judgment and your ability. But if you're not a minister, it doesn't have the rules upon you. But at the same time, understanding our relationship with God, we want to do things then that are pleasing to the Lord so that people would not get the wrong idea. In other words... Alcohol is a, a horribly abused thing in our society today. And so um, somebody could get tripped up by that if they saw me slugging down a brewski. Maybe somebody wouldn't be tripped up by you to that because they know, well, that's only one that's all he's drinking. So I think we just always need to be very sensitive concerning other people, their relationship with God, how they walk in the Lord and these kinds of things. Now, it's, Jesus said it's impossible that offenses, offenses are going to come but woe to the person by which they come. In other words, if you've caused an offense, do your best to fix it. Don't just say, well, it's my freedom in Christ. Too bad about you. You can't do that. Because we're a family of God. And because we're a family, we interact with one another. And so, as in any family... And by the way, friends, I want to tell you something about families. Anybody here that's been in a family, some of you come from big homes, some of you come from small homes. But one thing I found... The best of families have fights. Amen? Never had that? You'll hear mom and dad out in the kitchen scrapping. You might hear brother and brother in the other room scrapping. You might hear brother and sister scrapping. I'd like to say, as it gets older and as you get more used to one another, the problems have become less.
0: Oh, no. Oh, contrary. Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian Walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.